Mine's already open. Oh, yours is already open. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Seltzer Time Podcast. It's your boy, Ricky, a.k.a. Dick Chuck, a.k.a. the man behind the can at Seltzer Time Official. Here, as always, with my conversation accomplice, man with the hunch about what's there, Travis. What is crack and fizzle fiends? Welcome back to the po- Seltzer Time Podcast. I almost called it the Peltzer Time, whatever. <laughs> nice intro. I jazzed it up. Thanks for coming back. Uh, as always, we're glad you're with us. Uh, oh, yeah. This week, we have an amazing interview. Ricky Ricky knocked one out of the park this week. Shout out to Twitter DMs. Um, <laughs> no, we, yeah, this week was awesome. We get to, do you want me to announce it? Oh, yeah, dude, it was your hard work that got this. You get to say who the hell is on this week's show. <laughs> so, um, we actually had the honor of Kevin Lyman, founder of the Warp Tour, founder of the Kevin Lyman Group. Um, production company uh professor at usc's thornton school of music yeah he came on the podcast via zoom to talk to us about we talked warp tour we talked the impact that coronavirus is having on the touring industry the festival industry uh as well as the college student life experience yeah <laughs> yeah college student experience. i was gonna say college student industry and i'm like that's not like really what i'm trying to say but yeah no, that makes sense <laughs> before we get there you know what we have to do hey ricky how was your week buddy what's up um my week was solid i i mean yeah we've just been walking a lot pretty much every day going for huge walks um had i think two nine mile walks last week which is a lot of miles a lot yeah so it's it's been good um finally got some ice cream which if needed and yeah just making a lot of food at home I really miss going to restaurants. Yeah. I'm starting to like hit a groove though. Like, and I, most people I've talked to the last couple of days have kind of said the same thing. We're like, I'm now kind of like loving this lifestyle where like I wake up and like the, I don't even put on regular clothes anymore. I'm just like, all right, I've got like my basketball shorts for home, my hoodie. That I just kind of rock all day long. And then when we go for a walk, I put on like outside stuff. So I put on like a different pair of basketball shorts and a different hoodie that we want to get home. I just take them right off, throw them in the washer, whatever. Um, so that's been fun. I've been cold brewing coffee at home. Went to Crust, I think, twice. That was it. So. Yeah, Sarah and I have been really having fun making dinners together. We've been making dinners together like three or four times a week. Yeah. Um, we're trying to do like one crazy recipe. Try to like expand our, our cooking knowledge and do something a little different. There you go. Yeah, that's cool. We uh, we actually went out and bought a food processor because she really wants to try making her own hummus. Hell yeah. So That sounds freaking awesome. I'm not a huge hummus fan, but if we make okay. it, I'm absolutely going to have to try it. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. I'm all for people exploring. Granted, you said ice cream. My treat for myself this, this pandemic <laughs> has been um, Snickers ice cream bars. Like... Oh. I love those. Dude, I've been keeping a dozen in the freezer every two-week shopping trip, and they last about seven days, eight days. <laughs> that um, sounds about Yeah. I've tried to only have one or three a day, but, uh, <laughs> dude, it's hard. I mean, people are calling it the, what, the pandemic 15 or some shit. Like, oh, dude, definitely. I like, so not that's you the thing, about. What? You won't get 15, Mr. Walk Everywhere. Dude, if you 
my diet has been so bad. I was telling my parents about this. I was like, yeah, like I'm walking more than ever. And like, like my only goal for this week is to have a salad every single day. So I'm trying to cut one of those like breakfast, not a breakfast sandwich. I'll probably keep eating those. But like for lunch, I might have a salad or for like today for dinner, I'm going to because I didn't eat until like way later in the day. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to like figure out a way to, to eat a little healthier this week because I've been not doing that at all. And we put in an order last weekend for this Friday to pick up some stuff from Queen's Cups. So very nice. Um, I'll be snacking big time on Friday. So I see. So you have like sweets at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I mean, I still have ice cream here and like, of course I'm going to have some probably tonight, but I'm trying to figure out like if I can just have like a salad for one of those, either lunch or dinner meals, continue with the the epic walks. I'll I'll be okay. I don't know if I'll like lose weight, but I'm hoping to like stay at where I'm at. I just got a horrendous visual in my brain of a, uh, (laughs) <laughs> a salad milkshake and i'm like well it'd be kind of healthy but then it'd be oh but the ice cream i do have left right now uh ben and jerry's has a mint cookie it's like mint it's kind of like cookies and cream but it's mint chocolate chip ice cream yeah dude it's so good i ate i had the what did i have the other day oh uh, cookie it was like cookie brownie cheesecake core or something that one was wicked good. But then I got the mint one too. So I broke into that one last night. <laughs> My dude. Um, How it is. So other cool stuff that has happened this week is you started you started putting up some new posts on a YouTube page. Yeah, yeah. I have this book. Um, it's kind of like a giant scrapbook my mom bought me when I was like 16 probably. And I'd been going to shows for like two years at that point bought me this book she's like oh you can like put out scrapbook it put all your concert tickets in there and i was like yeah like i'm never gonna do that but that's cool so i would just throw them last off. week yeah yeah i brought it up last week and, and oh yeah on the show with katie i so that kind of inspired me to like actually get down to business and start putting in the last i don't know at least 10 years of ticket stubs <laughs> that i'd never put in there so there's like all kinds of, I got passes and, and tickets and all, everything, um, which then inspired me to like every single show I've been to, there's a story like outside of like, Hey, we saw Green Day. Like I, which that, I think the first time I saw Green Day will be coming up over the next couple of days. Cool. It's also not, it's not in order of when I went to the shows. It's just in order of like when the tickets were put in the book. So it starts in 2006 and then yesterday. So the first episode is 2006. The next episode is 2007, like the summer of 07. But I think the third episode like might even have like 2003 stuff on it. I'm going to look right now. It's actually like right here. Yeah. Spoilers for podcast listeners. The third episode has a lot actually. So it's got like, We've got 2007, uh, actually it's a lot of 2007. We had a 2006, we've got a 2009, uh, some more 07s, another 06. This one's an 06. Yeah, this one's actually like, oh, a 2008. This one's pretty epic actually. But yeah, so they, and the, the, the bands that I'm gonna talk about on the third one are pretty, pretty wild. They're like all over the, it's like the first time I saw, well, the only time I saw Tom Petty. 
um, Velvet Revolver, Van Halen when they got back together, and then you've got like Pearl Jam, Jet, Toby Keith, <laughs> the Dropkick Murphys at the Palladium, and then two shows from uh, that rapper Shwayze. Oh, so, so yeah, all deserve to be on the same page. Yep. Yeah, it's, I it's, love it's it. No, of, I fucking love it. Yeah, so decided to do a little. Uh, do a little video usually they're like five minutes the third one might be like 10 minutes because there's a lot going on on that one um but yeah so it's just called stub stories i just kind of threw it up on our youtube and we'll see what happens with it I, i'm digging them so far i hope other people are thanks man yeah some of the stories are, are pretty crazy i'm trying to and like it's also there's no like there's no rhyme or reason to the way the book's set up so like it'll go from from you know back when i was like a lot younger going to the like, simple plan to like backstage hanging out with frank turner like two years ago like there's it and those could be on the same page like it literally is so all over the place but yeah i'm pretty pretty excited about it, it gives me something to do sounds fun we're all on the journey with you yeah thanks speaking of other journeys we went on with you you went on a journey to another podcast mm. yeah yeah Shut up, uh, shut up, Lime. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah I was, was on. A, uh, Ricky was a guest on the Bar Down Beatdown. I'm sorry, Bar Down Breakdown podcast. <laughs> yeah, those guys were dope. Uh, they did like a fan calling episode. So we like, kind of we like set it up via Instagram DM. And then we did the call through Skype. Um, but it was great. We got to, you know, I got to talk about my love for the Bruins and, and, how good they were playing this year up until the pandemic shut everything down. We how talked Joey about all 50 goals for pasta. Oh yeah. How Joey called 50 for pasta, which he may still get. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah. And then we also talked about, you know, a bunch of bands. We talked about the get a kid. Well, we didn't get to talk about the get a kids on the one that got released. What <laughs> happened was I called in, we talked for like 20 minutes, but the audio wasn't that good. So we just like, kind of like had to redo it, but it was still good. We talked a lot about, uh, like Bad Rabbits. They used the Get Up Kids for an intro song and they used Bad Rabbits for an intro song. So I was I was pretty excited about that. Talked about the movie life, Piebald, and uh, just all kinds of like going to shows up here and uh, going on tour back in 2015. How all that like kind of correlates to a love of uh, punk rock music and hockey. It, it was super fun. People should check it out. We put a link on our yeah. Instagram page. Hell yeah. Yeah, those guys are great. They're, they've interviewed some, like, amazing artists, too. Yeah. So. A lot of hardcore <laughs> punk dudes. A lot of pretty serious hardcore punk dudes, so. Yeah. Um, that was for me, this week was super about work. Um, I had a good meeting with my buddy Melvin. He's another local creator here in Worcester. And his buddy are putting together, like, a show on um, mangas and uh, animes and comics and some other nerd pop culture stuff um i was giving him some advice on podcasting and release schedules and that sort of thing so when that is when that is ready to announce we'll share it and we'll hype those dudes up there you go oh i'm talking wait what'd you say so probably even have him on the show at some point let's do it you're talking uh... I'm talking to the eighth grade class uh, of West Boylston Middle Middle School in two weeks. Next week, what's the date? Today's nine. T- 
uh, yeah, next week, next Thursday. Via Zoom. More. I'm learning, <laughs> so, listeners, I'm learning about this with you. Please tell I me. I didn't tell you about this? No. Oh, yeah, dude. So my, my buddy Kevin is a teacher at, we both went to, to high school in West Boylston. Um, he's a teacher at the, the middle school, high school. So he put out this call for uh, trying to do like, kind of like Zoom conference calls with his class. He was trying to get like, there's like a football player from somewhere around this area who played in the NFL for like eight years. There's a dude who plays for the uh, Revolution who was from Lemonster. So he was trying to see if anybody had connections with that. So you tell me this. He, I remember now. Yep. So he ended up getting both of those people along with like Sam James and a whole bunch of like, there's a dude from that went to West Boylston who is now a producer for Barstool, which is like pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, so he just, I ended up linking him up with my buddy Zach from SJC and then I was like, hey, like, if you need more people, like, I can talk about, like, having a podcast. Like, it was, like, partially as a joke. Like, I'll obviously do it, but, like. Right. Yeah. You're who, shameless. Who right mind? I love that about you. You are so shameless. Dude, you have no, yeah. marketing. Yeah, I was just like, whatever. Like, if you want, like, if I was in eighth grade and somebody was like, hey, I started a pod, like, we have this podcast that started just because, like, that's how everything works now. You can just do it. I would have loved to have heard that when I was younger. So I'm, I'm going to speak to a class. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> awesome, man. Good for you. So pretty excited about that. It'll be cool. I'm sure everybody here cannot wait to hear about it. Oh, it'll be good. After it goes wonderfully well. Going to take over the, the youth of suburban Worcester. <laughs> Yo, kids, this is what you're going to do, right? You're going to open as many cans of salsa on the internet as possible. <laughs> you gotta find a good shtick and then just lean into it extra hard. That's it. Get other people to do it with you. Convince all your friends to do this silly thing with you. That's it. And next it's not bad for you. Here. It's just water. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of that water, that's the thing that I've been most busy doing this week. Um, and if I have it my way, it should be up by the time this episode goes up. We designed a website. Hell oh, yeah. Oh, finally. So I uh, put together all that shit. Um, the longest thing was just making pages for all the individual episodes. We've done 60. This is episode 66. Execute so episode 66. Anyway, that's a nerve reference for some people. Uh, I don't <laughs> Star Wars. Anyway. Uh, so it took a while to put pages for everything. So Nice. Anyway. That's up. Yeah, looks Should dope. Be, I'm gonna fix my bio. We get done yeah, recording this. He told me he was gonna do it when he had lunch before. So I was distracted eating lunch. I ended up so I was originally I was just gonna make like some scrambled eggs and move on with my life, and then I ended up making this like scrambled eggs, uh, like fried up some potato, avocado, English muffin. Like kind of went. You went, went and helped yourself a lunch. It was time. I was very very out. hungry. He did. He was very hungry before. I was. Um, so I think that's everything I have before we rip into this. Cool. Do you have anything else you want to touch before we get to this interview with Kevin Lyman? No, I don't think so. No. Okay. So yeah. Enjoy, Enjoy. guys. Hello. Hey, guys. Hi, Kevin. Hey, what's going on? How are you? Awesome. 
getting here in the glare of the uh, there a little more light on it. You no, know, when I sit with the window there, so nice. It looked like well, uh, how are you guys? Oh, we're good. We're just talking about how crazy windy it is here. Is it where's gorgeous it? in California? Uh, where's it windy right now? Worcester, Mass. Oh, in Mass. Okay, John Peters Land. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to the. I was talking to him on Friday. Yeah, I think so. Very nice. Yeah, look at that. Nice. I look like on CNN with my fire in the back. It's it's gorgeous. It's, <laughs> it's been a little East Coast weather here. We've had a eight out of nine days of rain now in California, in LA. Oof. So, yeah. Makes it's us time to be inside though. Yeah, it makes us all a little crazy though. LA people don't like rain. Yeah. So tomorrow's supposed to be 72 and sunny, so we'll be fine. <laughs> Fair deal. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much for coming on with us, man. I really no appreciate this. No problem. Thanks. No problem. You guys get starting to get to be springtime there. Yeah. A little bit. Hopefully, we'll go experience it. Yeah, John was. Uh, I don't know. John was showing me his his. He was getting his rows of potatoes ready to plant or something. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I see that you're very into gardening. I've been following the Instagram. It's so oh. lovely, man. Yeah, we've been trying to trying to keep busy. So, yeah, it's just now wonderfully wholesome. We need we need sunshine to make it grow now. So, oh, right. plenty yeah. of water. Now you need the sun. Yeah. Exactly. Does the rain keep the squirrels away? No. I mean, there's one out there that I was I was talking to my bus driver in Alabama today. I said, you know, if you saw this thing, you'd probably put them in a pot already. <laughs> <laughs> so. And one of my students, I took that photo of that squirrel, and he actually thought it was a deer. So. He thought it was a deer. Yeah, so oh good. So my grandmother has these special ones that like close shut, but one of their squirrels figured out a way to come underneath it and basically outsmart the feeder. These are all called like square, square, squirrel-proof feeders, and there's I don't know they just sit there all day and eat. <laughs> I like to think of the guy that's sitting there like trying to outsmart the squirrel, trying to like out-engineer the squirrel. Yeah, there was a movie about that called Caddyshack. Yeah, very good. <laughs> we watched that the we watched that the other day. I was like, my daughters. I was like, hey, have you seen it? They hadn't seen, and it came on TV like, like about a couple hours later. So what's going on? All right, you ready to get started? Whenever you're ready. Yeah, yeah cool. bro. Basically. Um, so Kevin, I'm Ricky. This is Travis. Very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Take it away, Ricky. Cool. So we'll probably just talk, uh, go through like you know how COVID's impacted the touring industry. Um, you, so Forfini changed over to Kevin Lyman group, right? Yeah. We announced that, uh, right when I'm thinking that we the final show in San Francisco, the next day we changed it over to the Kevin Lyman group. Okay, cool. Boom. Yeah. Cool. So I'll make sure I was on the same page. Okay. Uh, talk about how it impacted you were still teaching class, right? Yeah. I still teach at USC full time. So that's been kind of nice to kind of have during this time. Uh, I think it's been a transition trying to teach online. I was just figuring out how to teach in the classroom. I was doing a pretty good job, I think, in the classroom. But then all of a sudden, you're like thrown into this online situation. And uh, you know, I was, you know, I have classes that are a lot in the live uh, production or facility management. And this would have been the few weeks that we would have been going out to festivals and we would have been going to venues. So it's it's kind of hard. You're put in that situation, but you know, you're making the best of it. I have a small group tomorrow, so bringing on the head of my 
He's the person who's done insurance for me for the past 25 years on, on events. So he'll be, he'll be able to explain, you know, how the insurance industry is looking at um, the live event business because, you know, without insurance and without permits, you don't really have an event. So, you know, you're going to have to be able to get your insurance uh, things insured if we're going to continue on and, and how quickly are they ready to start writing insurance for events will be a big topic tomorrow. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, we'll just touch on those topics and then, uh, yeah, that'll probably be. Whatever else okay. rolls off of that. We're super casual. We're just off from normal with our conversation. Okay. Cool. Trap. So, yeah, um, first and foremost, again, thank you. Uh, one of the things that I find most fascinating about you is how much you give chances to guys like us, to people, to smaller people, to independent creators basically people that are just willing to like work their butts off. And uh, when we've done our research, it's you, you were <laughs> put on record many times saying that you were able to succeed with the help of a strong like group of people and these people that you can depend on. What I'm curious is how do you find such talented people? How do you foster that kind of talent? Well, I think the big thing in life is, you, you know, you, you don't discount people, you know, I mean, you know, you know, I think a lot of times in our business, once you reach a certain level, you know, you become a little less accessible. Um, it, it's been good and bad in some ways. You know, you, you put yourself out there, but, you know, you, you never discount people. People are going to have ideas and maybe their name isn't going to be recognizable. They're not going to have it. But a lot of the great ideas that came, you know, on tours I've produced or, in, in, or things I've worked with were someone who maybe didn't have the background and the, the history to be able to pull off the event as a whole, but they could bring something to it. Uh, and there was a guy named Russell Hornbeek who showed up in my office one day who was like very important about collecting blood. He, he was, a, you know, blood drives were important to him and, I, and he wanted me to give away free tickets to Warp Tour if you donated blood. And I said, well, you know, that would probably, isn't really, I'd, I'd love to help, but I can't, you know, giving away free tickets might, you know, there's a way that we run a business too. You have to balance that business and, and giving back. But I, you know, I said, Hey, maybe we can get give, give free backstage passes to people, you know, and it gave him the foot in the door to do it that first year. And we did over 3000 people, which was kind of a crowded backstage in Southern California. But, <laughs> you know, you, you take people and, and you try to empower them. You know, uh, I, I think we're trying to, uh, it's just been, I guess that's why you ended up in, I ended up in education in a way. Uh, I think at one point, working years, and it was a little bit reflective this weekend because uh, I think the big, the big deal was the Coachella video that was online. Everyone's watching Coachella. And uh, that was my history. I ran all those shows for, for Golden Voice back in the early days. And I was the person who did the production on the Pearl Jam show the first time out in, at the polo fields out there. So we were texting Paul Tillette, we were, you know, talking about some of the funny things, you know, uh, about the rage, rage Against the Machine last played at Coachella, and uh, there was a group we knew that were going to start the revolution from the campgrounds, and uh, <laughs> this woman, Mari, that we did a lot of work with in Hawaii, when Golden Voice was building in Hawaii, she was very much a political activist back then, so I give her a lot of credit, because she's been an activist for know, 40 years or so, and... Uh, how she used to always say, I, I'll be at the venue later, but we're pro protesting at the submarine base today. And, and like, <laughs> she's like, yeah, we're gonna handcuff our submarines. And I go, well, be careful or you'll wake up in Guam one day, you know, when this was over in Hawaii. And, uh, and she's still going, but then she had to organize this uh, protest in the campgrounds at Coachella. And I was running the campgrounds at that point. Oh, we were laughing back and forth about how she was starting the revolution from the campgrounds. And, 
you know, to me it was funny because they were having a plane fly over the top of the campgrounds and they were supposed to spell out Buck Bush. And uh, they, ran out of, they ran out of people, so it kind of went Buck Bush. <laughs> <laughs> I was supposed to kind of be breaking up her revolution. She, you know, she wasn't really supposed to run a revolution from the campgrounds. Uh, I was trying to reorganize so they could get the shot in before the police showed up and shot down. But, you know, it, it's, it's empowering people, and that's, you know, it's still what I'm trying to do with some of the stuff we're working on now. Uh, we're getting ready to announce the uh, moving of the whole 320 project online. Cool. Uh, this festival I was producing uh, with Talinda Bennington and my students at USC. Uh, it was a, you know, it would have been easy to walk away from it, you know, at this point. Everyone has an excuse, you know, postponing or canceling, everyone would have understood. And I was like, you know, this isn't the time that we should do that. We should show how we adapt. And especially in yeah. this, a teaching setting that we're in. Um, so we'll be announcing it. And we found a great partner. And we're going to be uh, announcing it. And we're, it looks like we're going to run the majority of the panels and the roundtables. And the benefit show uh, that we were going to be holding at Club Novo, most of it's going to be moving online. And it'll be free to the public to view. So yeah, Brilliant. We've, we've been very yeah. lucky to, to and even power people. There's a small company that kind of had, is coming in. They're a growing company. But we're giving them the shot to kind of pull this off. You know, technology, they did our kickoff event last month and did a great job. And they stepped forward and said, we can pull this off and we'll see if they can, you know, because it won't be for lack of trying if, if we do have any problems. But we're planning on 21 hours of programming over three days. Whoa. Yeah. So. That's a lot of content. From all over the uh, country and North America, we're going to have people, panelists and, and experts as members coming in and being part of the community. So. Been very lucky to do that, and that's what really warped was and things, and even mayhem, and, and they, they, it was run by a community, and all we were were like the ringmaster, I guess. You know, you you had a lot. The original concept, of course, was you know people say, oh, you know, skateboarding and music, and then I go, yeah, uh, you know, we were doing other people were doing events with skateboarding, but it's, we I acted on that. I was doing those events, and I acted on it. It's about acting on life, and warped just kind of was a a curation of of a lot of people's inputs and, and never discounting anyone. Now, it opened the door to some serious sometimes situations that you didn't want to find yourself in, but uh, you know, I'm still sitting here, so I guess it, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> like trying to cross the Canadian border with stuff written all over your face. Oh yeah, things like that, you know, the Canadian border, that was a learning process. I mean, much prior to that, you know, we showed up at the Canadian border with no paperwork. You know, oh, geez. We how to get through eventually. I don't know how that whole night, I flash back very much to that evening of, of sitting there convincing this guy that it should be okay to let us come in. We'll be, we'll be leaving tomorrow. We're just coming in and do a show in Vancouver and we'll be out right away. And they eventually let us all in and we made the show in time. <laughs> that's awesome. Larry. Sorry, my cat is obsessed with being on camera. Well, that's okay. My cat, I've got cats over on one couch. I've got a couple walking around. <laughs> so, at any time. I had a heart to heart with the dogs that they weren't going to interrupt this interview. That's all right. All right. Uh, so, I mean, just other times you had to play the ringleader. I was curious if you wanted to talk about. I had learned last night about the food fight that I had never really. Apparently, Ice T started a food fight that you had to stop. Yeah, it was. We were, you know, I always try to do nice things for people. I believe that, you know, we were we were working hard on some. Warp tour was a hard working tour. I mean, everyone was out there, and some people would, you know, it's funny. Your naysayers are going to say, "Oh, you worked everyone," but people didn't realize that. We were running on such thin margins that the bands wanted to work every day because if not, they're paying their crews or they're paying their vehicles. So 
when we were saying like, hey, we're doing 15 shows in a row, very few people complained about that, you know? Uh, maybe the merch guys did. I think it was always the merch guys did, you know? Uh, but really, people were pretty happy because we kept them going. But those, those days off, sometimes I would try to find something really unique to remind my crew that it was summertime, that they were giving up their summer. Even though we were working, people and sometimes look at us like it's all, it's hard work. And I always would try to do it. So we would rent houseboats, right? Taking people whitewater rafting. You know, we would do things like that. And we were up in uh, Oregon on the Rogue River and I thought we'd get these jet boats that were super cool. And then take you up the river and, you know, and you're also talking about a lot of city people who had never really experienced the outdoors. I was lucky, I grew up in, um, experiencing the outdoors. Uh, lucky that my my family, we that, you know, didn't really have a lot of money, but we went camping. We always found we were a camping family. And um, then I worked in summer camps. So I was always outdoors and, and my wife and family liked the outdoors. So, you know, I would always sit there and go, wow, wouldn't it be great to take some of these people and do that? So I, I rented the, I, you know, bought them all a spot and it was like 40 bucks a person. So it wasn't cheap. It cost probably, I took over a hundred people. So, you know, four or five grand to take them all up there. Uh, but I had budgeted as a little side thing and, and, and said, okay, let's do this thing and, and include a barbecue dinner. And we went up the river and everyone was having a blast. It was great. And I'll never forget. I walked off to make a phone call home and I came back to this massive food fight. It was started iced tea and it was started by the motorcycle guys, the freestyle motocross guys. And, and if you ever traveled with the freestyle motocross guys, they were the biggest rocks. They were like the worst rock stars. They made Motley Crue look like choir boys. They were wonderful. So the only real way to, to deal with a motocross guy and, and, and they'll let me, it was, was I wore steel toed boots and I would kick them all the time, you know, run up behind them and just kick them, kick them down hills. Just, and it was the only way it was like, they were, you know, they all turned out to be, you know, close to me in a way, you know, Brian Deegan and Ronnie Feist, and Larry Linkloggle and a lot of that early Kerry Hart. That, that was a pretty wild crew we had out there. Mike Sinkmars, you know, they were the, they were, they were, the, metal militia. they were the metal militia. They were the, they were the top dogs in freestyle. And it was the first time freestyle motocross had ever been taken across the country. Sure. Uh, we built these A-frames of a house. You know, Mickey Diamond, who was a supercross racer, um, told me about that. And then I knew him from some, a couple of things I produced. And we went out and met all those guys. And I'll never forget going to their little compound out there in Temecula, the metal militia land or whatever they were doing at that point. And some guy walks up and throws a rattlesnake at me. And... <laughs> I just look at him like, really, you think I'm going to, like, this is like, I, it was like, okay, kids, like, you guys want to get down to, and they did. And you know what? Um, it opened the doors, um, I think, in a little ways for them to go across the country. I think they all have fine, fond memories of it. Uh, I don't see those guys as much as I do, but when we do, oh my God, it's just some of the stories of, of that summer with those guys. Well, I can only imagine. I'll never forget, like, in, so you guys are from Worcester, Massachusetts, and we were doing a show in Massachusetts that day and there was a little hill and I'll just never forget, they were shooting fireworks. And I, that's why I had a ban on fireworks because they were shooting them backstage and they were like guys driving forklifts and they're hitting them with bottle rockets. And I got behind him and I ran as kid, how does I cook and kicked him with the steel boot and I kicked one of them and he went down the hill like, like a tumbling, like that all out of a cartoon. Uh, and then I left him there. I left him in Massachusetts, their, their whole bus. And then I said that, I told the bus driver in the middle of the night, I go, all right, pull over to a hotel. They're not coming. They're kind of not coming. I, I took them off the tour for two days. I says, you go to a place with a bunch of hotels, park it in a lot. You get off the bus and go check into a hotel for two days. Turn the engine off. Turn the air conditioning off. 
and let them rot for two days. Like it was hot. It was one of those weird summers, you guys, when it got up to 90 degrees. So inside a bus, it's going to be well over 100. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just cooking we, like a tin can. We left him sitting in a, a, a we let him sit, left him, left him sitting in a parking lot for a couple of days to teach him a lesson. There you go. Yeah. So, Probably muggy as hell, too. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Just miserable. If you've ever been in a bus more than like when the, that's why those air conditioners run all the time because they, they in 15 minutes, they, they go, they go up 20 degrees from whatever it was when they, yeah. So, so, you know, a lot of great stories with those guys, you know, we look back now, um, but now it's, it's about looking forward, you know, it's looking forward to um, some of these other things that we're hoping to do. Uh, we're hoping that the 320 project is kind of a kickoff for, for more opportunities for us to work in, in, in the philanthropic space that was yeah. important to us. I look back, you know, I look back in some ways that, you know, we always just did it on Warp Tour. I think if you, you guys probably came to Warp Tour. So, you know, we always had all the nonprofits, but we never really made a big deal about it. But the community knew about it. Probably we should have probably talked more about that through the years. Maybe we could have spilled that out to other places. But uh, now, now we're taking, you know, you know, forward and we're going to have a lot of music involved in 320. But the, the mental health is, uh, awareness is, is the most important part of this project. That's awesome. Yeah, I saw, I don't forget what year it was, but Warped had like the highest number of uh, like registered voters. Yeah, I mean, we always had that relationship and, and it was hard sometimes to convince nonprofits, you know, it was like a headcount when they started out. It was like, uh, they're a great organization. And Tim Bramlett, who works with them, was actually worked for MTV Sports and Music, which came out and filmed the first Warped Tour in 1995. And I called him and I said, you guys should be out in there. He's like, well, they're, you know, they're kind of more like going out on the Grateful Dead. Going, you know, I'm like, dudes, all the Grateful Dead people are totally registered. Like, you need to get in early, get people engaged. Yeah. And I think I, that first year, um, normally we would ask a, a nonprofit to at least cover their expenses uh, for food and, and stuff like that. And, and they didn't really have it. And I said, fine, just put someone, we'll put someone on the road. And that was uh, Kat Cody, who now works for me full time. She ran out there and registered voters and just hustled and jammed. And, and we set their, their record for a summer. Um, I think, I don't know if it still stands, but I know it was way up there. You know, we registered, you know, I don't know, almost 3,000 people or something that summer. That's, That's great. Cool. Yeah, I registered to vote at a uh, Foo Fighters and Against Me show back in like 2007 or eight or something like that. I'm glad. I, yeah, I, was, I was stoked when I heard, when the Foo Fighters took out Against Me, I was hoping they would do Warp Tour that summer, but oh. it couldn't, it was a conflict because they were playing with, uh, they were playing with the Foo Fighters. Yeah, that was great. I know um, the philanthropic stuff is super important, you guys. Even like Feed the Children, you did the food drive for the, the tickets. And like, yeah, I think and all that, that stuff was super cool. We were hoping to do that food drive at the 320 Live, but we're going to, you know, we want to encourage people and we're kind of building, we're building this concept. We'll see where it goes. Um, you know, I'm hoping, I, I put in some proposals, uh, looking for some uh, assistance to help me get it off the ground, you know, uh, but we'll see, you know, and I think those food drives were so important. And I, and I know that kids are doing more of those things at shows now. I'm seeing bands now, uh, when I, you go see a band, they have a table out and maybe they're registering to vote or Joyce Manor, they were collecting cat food. Uh, yeah. the, the pets, I went, took my daughter, we, we went to that show and I was stoked. I was great to see bands like that stepping up and just doing little things, you know, it's not like you have to be, you know, we can all, be very political. I guess political would be one thing, you know, you know, in my world, it's, it would be very easy and we used to be, but now you don't have to be, you know, but you should stand for something. And, and, and it doesn't have to be controversial. You know, feeding kittens is not a controversial thing. 
seriously. But a band doing that and going out of their way to collect food and getting it to the local pet shelter, uh, using the, your influence as an artist in any small way you can, if it is collecting food at the thing, if it is doing uh, DNA swap, you know, um, saliva swap, so they can get you in the marrow transplants, uh, you know, it's it just, it's easy. Just embed it into your business model. And you know, people say, oh, business. And I go, yeah, it is a business. Your business yes. brand, your band is a brand. So that's in early when you, can, it becomes easy and naturally and grows with you. So if you ever get to that point, you have a tour bus and you can have a spot available for your nonprofit to come with you and you can take people to a national level. Uh, we've seen that with Hope for the Day and, and Johnny from Hope for the Day and, and some of the things that he's done and, and the positives things he's done. And, and, and I think that that, that Warp Tour parking lot was a stepping stone for a lot of people to take, get that national presence. And that was my biggest worry of ending Warp Tour. It wasn't that the bands were gonna have somewhere to play uh, the crew people were always the hardest working, and now they're, they're in such demand. Uh, crew people were always looked at as, when we started the business, everyone, the old roadies laughed at Warped Tour. They laughed at, oh, those guys, you know, they're, they're fucking joke. They're not, you know, they're not, you know, they're, you know, uh, they work in the mud. They don't, you know, and, uh, you know, I always say the people who hated me most on Warped Tour were the backline people. Um, really? Yeah, backline people hated Kevin Lyme, and that's cool because it was backline people you need a very type A personality who loves to work on that guitar all day long and that drum all day long. And that's their world. That's, that's the mindset. And all of a sudden you have this guy, Kevin Lyman, who comes along and, and would, uh, would like put you out in the middle of a field under a 10 by 10, 10, and not, <laughs> not exactly say what time your band was playing each day. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I, you know, people don't realize, but I listen and there's a little inside joke thing that it started to, it was kind of funny because, I would pick up on which, which, which backline guys hated me the most. And that was a right. I don't blame them for hating me at that point. But I would always like walk by, I'd know what time their band was playing. And I'd walk by and pretend on the radio I was talking about the storm that was going to hit like exactly when they were playing. <laughs> and even, it was never, there was a lot of time no storm coming, but just to fuck with them, I'd just be like, <laughs> Lisa, can you was that, was that correct? A storm's going to hit at three thirty. Just knowing that that guy's set was right at three thirty. The most shit online about me or whatever throughout the year about Warp Tour sucking and that, and found himself in a parking lot uh, somewhere. So, and they had a right to. I don't blame them. I mean, it was it was different for them. They like to come in and set up their road case, and they like to do it, and they'd be perfect. And that's why they making that guitar sound perfect, a drummer. And it was hard. You're in the elements. It's hot, cold, humid. You're not in an environment. You don't get to set up the same way each day. Um, so I, I understand it, I, you know, but then a lot of times I, they didn't understand the big picture. Uh, right. That this would be maybe the stepping stone that that band would need. So you could work in those kind of venues where you got in at the same time every day. Your band played at the same time. You got the same kind of pizza every day. You got the same towel and you got to take a shower every day. Right. Uh, yeah. For that was a stepping stone. Uh, um, and I think some of them now look back and go, oh man, yeah, that, that helped me get to where I was. Um, the ones who can, and then there's still people that are gonna hate Kevin Lyman and that's okay. You realize it was when you, when you do something like this in your life, not everyone's gonna like you and that's okay too. Yeah. I respect the hell out of that. Yeah. I also respect but, the idea that you, you put out there that you should be putting like 
giving some of your money away, even if it's costing you money, like putting charity in your business plan is just good business. And like that's yeah, you know, when you have nothing, I mean, we, we started work tour and we were losing money the first couple of years, uh, but we always gave that 25 cents a ticket, you know, so uh, smart the charity. And, and, and it was cut out as a separate thing. It was a check cut right to the charity. Um, and some people would say, Oh, well, the ticket price went up. You should have given more, but you know, so did the numbers of people going. So, you know, we would be doing five, 600,000 people a day. And, and that little check would be $150,000 donated to a charity at the end of the summer. And, but it didn't affect the overall business model. And that's, you know, it's a balance and it's a balance between finding how to, to make this work and, and keep the business side of it going because you do have to pay your bills. And that's one thing Warped Tour, we always pay our bills. I mean, what, what amazes me sometimes is how I hear there's festivals or producers or bands that don't pay their bills. I mean, it, you know, if you get in this, paying your bills is number one to running a business. Yeah. Um, and, and the, or the minute you get in trouble, you contact that person and say, Hey, I'm in trouble. Um, can we work on, on a payment schedule? And even if that payment schedule is a small piece of what you owe me, let, you know, but the way that I've seen people in festivals borrowing from ticket companies and ticketing companies, loaning, advancing people money for their shows, it's gotten a lot of people in trouble. And I've seen it. It's almost like a, it's almost, if you, if you really broke it down, it, it becomes a Ponzi scheme. Sure. Yeah. One place to pay somewhere else. So uh, we always, I always found, you know, even, you know, 2017, we had a rough year. I, um, everything went wrong that could. It was just a weird year. It was just a, the weather, we had 24 days straight rain. Uh, we, the lineup was a little off. We were still going through that period of time where uh, social media, you know, there's a lot of stuff around some of the things that, you know, I tried to address for the whole scene, right or wrong, probably shouldn't have been online. You don't have to answer everyone on Twitter. Every time they post something, you don't have to give them a response. I felt like it was still like, oh, you want to have communication with people, but then you realize that at one point there was one, one, pro, one person had 112 profiles that was attacking the warp tour. That's crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. This few people became obsessed with like trying to bring it down. Yeah. It was weird. I felt so I'm talking to, you know, and then we did a lot of back end, you know, I had people who can go into the back end and figure out where these IP addresses were coming from and everything. And they were all coming from one person's house. How does somebody have time to do that? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Like, you know, it's like if you're gonna have this time. Couldn't you do something for the positive versus the negative? Seriously, yeah. anything else to put that energy. You, in. you think about that all, even to this day. You know, you you trolls online, and if they adjusted their time to the positive or doing something great, they probably would be able to get actually that recognition they crave so much, but actually in a good way. You yeah, know? I've never years. I've never known a troll that you if you like gets a pat on the back and says "great job, little troll," unless you maybe work for a troll farm, right? You know? <laughs> Or or something you just made trolls too or something yeah you <laughs> made trolls you know so <laughs> i think we we all are learning to understand and navigate social media and the internet you know and that was my biggest thing is i wish bands would take the time to meet each other before they judge each other and i know i've been very vocal about that but uh people judge everyone by not meeting them and i would always say hey it's okay but why don't you come talk to me come even during the worst time when I was being I'd say those people come come meet me at like seven in the morning we can have a chat if you still maybe we could find some common ground maybe not but at least you have a face-to-face -face conversation now yeah. soon you can have a face-to-face -face conversation without even having to come down to a parking lot and talk to someone at seven in the morning right yeah I, uh, I too. 
the other day I was listening to a podcast with um, Chuck, the drummer from Simple Plan. Yeah. He was saying how, I think it was their first Warped Tour, and maybe they did a couple dates that first year that they were on it. But um, everybody was giving them giving them shit for being, you know, more of like a pop punk band. And a couple dates in, Tim Armstrong and Lars came out with Ranted and were both wearing Simple Plan shirts. And it kind of like gave them almost like a form of street cred, like on the tour, just because they got to know each other as like human beings outside of playing, you know, kind of vastly different music. That's a band I've always respected a lot. Rancid, one of my favorite bands live. Um, For sure. I wish they could do a few more. They had done a few more warp tours, you know, but there was always, you know, if they had things going on or whatever. But, you know, they did that to a few bands. I know that they helped Simple Plan out. They helped Good Charlotte out. They also understood, as you do with, you know, when you look at someone like Tim Armstrong, I mean, he works with so many young bands, you know? Yeah. Uh, he's always given them a listen. You know, he doesn't prejudge bands. He, he takes a listen, maybe learns a little bit about them. Uh, you've seen what he was able to do with uh, the interrupters and finding the interrupters. Uh, he keeps an open mind towards people. And I even saw that back then. It was, uh, you, know, you know, it was always maybe a little bit of like, jealousy from some of the older hardcore punk bands too, when they saw this pop punk movement. And, yeah. These guys have been slugging it out and they don't want to admit, but it's like, man, I've been slugging the punk out for, you know, 10 years already. And all of a sudden this pop punk comes in and you got Blink leading it and then you got some 41 and then you have all these bands and they're selling millions of records. So it wasn't like they were going to have the doors swung wide open for them. They had to come in and kind of earn that, that cred. But, you know, mostly by then it was, it was recognized that, you know, uh, you know, people like Jay Bentley one day walking up to me and saying, man, I totally get it, Kevin. You know, he didn't know who a day to remember was, but there they were like crushing the main stage and yeah. Okay. We understand. And, and we're going to give everyone equal respect out here now. That's awesome. First time I ever saw Rant, it was actually Warped Tour, the 10 year anniversary show at uh, Gillette Stadium. You guys did? Yeah. We're at Foxborough. Yeah. First time I ever saw them. It's great. Yep. That was, that was fun. That was fun. I was cleaning up the office and I had one of those uh, footballs like they made for me. Okay. Really? Yeah. I, um, I've been going through my ticket stubs the last couple of days, like trying to like get them put into like a book and so they don't all get ruined. And I actually have, um, remember ringtones when you could like buy ringtones oh, for your yeah. phone? Oh, I yeah. have the, the 10 year anniversary warp tour. Like they kind of look like backstage past laminates. Yeah. I have those ringtone things still. It's got like fall boy and like letter kills. I think might be on one of them. They're still active. <laughs> I have no idea. I forgot I even had it. You even use a rig, you know, but there was. I, we, we always tried to blend new things. Uh, we'd be approached by tech companies and uh, people to try to, and I'd say, Warped Tour is a great audience. Come try it, you know. And, but remember when ringtones were massive for a while there? Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm trying for, I don't know, I, there's companies that we would work with and some of them would be there a year later and some of them burn through whatever investment funding and we never saw them again, you know. Yeah, I think it was like, I forget who, what the ringtone company was. It might have been like Sprint or something. Yeah, maybe. Actually, hold on. I'll go, it's right here. This is fascinating content. Um, so are you still teaching? Oh, you already said that. You transitioned yeah, to just, online classes. I've got six online classes so uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so, so I can be here with you on Monday. Uh, jump in there and do uh, classes tomorrow and uh, Thursday. we got three more weeks of classes. Three yeah, more. It's sing singular. Oh, singular. Yes, absolutely. Look at that great artwork, too. That <laughs> artwork. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Sorry, what were you guys talking about? <laughs> no, just 
Ked talking more stuff while you're finding your stuff. Um, so something else that I learned that I was kind of curious if you wanted to talk a little bit about is uh, just I'm big on on people earning their own keep and people hustling to to get shit done. Um, I love that you had the barbecue bands and bands that would have to come along and actually cook. Like, uh, one, where the hell did that idea come from? But two, like, are there any notable bands that were barbecue bands? Because I couldn't really find that information online in a quick little well, search. Well, notable bands, I mean, the barbecue came from a guy named Carlos, and he was in a band, he worked with Lagwagon. Okay. Lagwagon would help have, and Carlos was a, is an awesome guy. He's gone on to do, like, uh, sound and production for bass nectar. He ended up moving into the EDM world, but he was always a punk rock guy. And he loved, he's from Brazil, so he's a Brazilian barbecue guy. He was always great because, but it was funny though, because he was always spending all the band's money. I, was, I thought he was like some trust fund kid that came out with bands originally. I didn't really realize where, he'd always have the best cuts of meat, he'd be barbecuing, and, but you'd have to have a special laminate to go. Um, and I was like, wait, Warped Tour is inclusive. Like we have to, we can't exclude people. It wasn't cool to exclude. So I said, hey, we need to start another barbecue. Um, so, you know, once you took it from exclusivity, you took it to the whole tour and the tour would be traveling at different years, you know, from probably around that time, about 600 people on the road to five, 600 people to later years, almost a thousand people touring on the Warp Tour at one time. Uh, so it has to be accessible to everyone. So you need a much larger barbecue. He was doing it on a small little Weber. So this, so <laughs> okay, we got to buy a barbecue trailer. And I think our first barbecue trailer, I had a barbecue trailer I bought. And uh, I could, how are we going to haul it around? Like, you know, we, we have to leave and the barbecue might be still hot. And I always had this vision of a, a cool television movie, like a movie where it'd be filmed where um, a dad, it was like an investigating all these big fires across the country. And then he finally solves it because he looks at one of those maps we used to have where we'd have the routing of a tour. Yeah. The, the fires related exactly to that map and that solved the, solved the, the mass fire because we were burning up America because we were pulling this barbecue trailer that was shooting hot holes out in the middle of the night. <laughs> um, but um, that came, so we banned it. And of course, uh, Pennywise, who always stepped up, goes, I'm not a friend. So that I think 98 Mute, we ended up getting record deals with some of the early, they got record deals with, uh, with Epitaph and, 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 and Fat Records. So they would kind of haul the barbecue and, and, that kind of grew and then you know the last few years we'd have two bands and i was their front they, they were actually like chefs who were actually working on warp tour but had a band and then one of them would split time so the food got a lot better it was a lot more organized uh you know these bands you know i, I don't think we ever really had any that really broke out of warp Tour. like we but they were touring bands they were all bands who got to go on additional tours and and got brought out on other tours because what a great way to meet other bands by cooking food for them so yeah. They, they'd always, always seem to pick up a tour afterwards, anything. But I guess if you go through the legacy of, of barbecue bands, I had a country tour for a while. Um, yeah. And um, the last year of that tour, there was a little band called Florida Georgia Line. That was actually, right. that was actually the barbecue band. So That's right, awesome. They got 500 bucks a show and had to haul the barbecue. Right before that. I think right before I had the tour flyer for that tour. I used to work for SJC Drums. Oh, so yeah. My office was full of like random flyers that we would always get in. And I remember having that flyer in my office for a while. We were doing a line probably as an afterthought on the bottom, you know. Yeah, that. they were like way down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were hauling the barbecue. So, you know, that was it was fun. You know, the barbecue, I, you know, the trailer. Uh, we, you know, then we, we combined it with like partnerships. So PBR, when they relaunched, we had a barbecue that looked like a PBR camp for a few years. Well, and, of course. Why wouldn't you? 
And then the, late, the last barbecue trailer is parked down in San Diego, uh, still down, down at uh, one of the staging company, Clique Staging. It's, it's, they use it for uh, youth, bar, youth uh, soccer games and baseball games that they barbecue at. They sell hot dogs and burgers off the back of it now. So uh, I was thinking during the coronavirus, I should have set it up on the street and sold like chopped chicken and bacon sandwiches so people can drive by, oh. smoke, smoke meats in the driveway all day long and then sell them out the side. But you wouldn't have to advertise, just like let the, let the smoke travel. Exactly. Well, everyone's out walking, so they'd walk by, pick up a, pick up a package, and, and head home. Yeah, that's smart. Um, so with the uh, coronavirus going on, I don't know how possible it is, but the other night I was watching the um, Saturday Night Live. They did SNL like from home. thought it was super interesting how they were able to put it all together. Do you think there's a way that um, like maybe like a – Maybe not Coachella because it's so big and I know they postponed it, but Boston Calling was canceled. Do you think there's ever a way for a festival to do something kind of like that? Well, you know, I think it's been interesting watching these four weeks where, you know, we started four or five weeks where all those late night television shows kind of went off the air for a week or two. Yeah. They kind of came back online and, and technology wasn't that good, but it, they were there. But just last week I was watching Trevor Noah and Samantha B. And then Saturday Night Live, we watched as a family the other day. Hey, the technology, we're figuring out how to use this in a more conducive way that does a niche get carved out um, for business, for ongoing business. Yeah. Where, you know, is there a chance to do, I'm thinking, you know, is there a chance to do another, you know, like living room series online, you know, cutting in live performances, speakers, you know, uh, we're going to tell you, know, and for us, it'll be a real little test to see what we do with this, this, uh, this uh, 320 festival we're doing online. I, you know, it's going to cut in and out of live uh, performances, cut in and out of commercials, cut in and out of live panels and speakers. Could, I, could someone carve out and create something? I think absolutely, because we've always thought, you know, we, we've neglected the online in the sense of a performance side because we're all live people. My generation, definitely, it's going to be hard to convince that people want to stay home. And, but then again, all you do you have to carve out is a niche. And I always say carve a niche. That's what Warped was. Warped was in a very important niche to a certain group of people. Yeah. Uh, that, that niche got a little more well-known, but it really kind of focused on a certain group of people. Uh, could, could someone create some, could there be some content futuratively created? I'm loving it in a sense. I don't love teaching online, but I'm bringing in guests that are very relevant that couldn't be necessarily in LA. I mean, tomorrow, I'm, I, for one of my classes, I think insurance is a very big topic. So I'm bringing sure. an insurance agent in, that he can drop in from Tennessee and come into a class for a while. Can you, could someone, so as, as it's, you know, and I love the switching, they're starting to put graphics in, it's almost starting to look more and more like a show. Yeah. yeah. It almost has that old school feel of like a live television show, like something like an SNL where you have somebody in a production room literally saying, go to camera one, go to camera two. But like, it's just reinventing itself now for a more digital audience. Yeah. So, you know, can it be carved out? I think it's going to have to be, I think the smart will be the young bands that are, are really figuring out how to use this right now, because once touring opens up again, it's going to be very flooded. There's going to be yeah. a lot of content out on the road. Um, you know, probably too much content because economically money is going to be tight. For sure. 
you know, so, so anyone who thinks we're going to have tours go right back out and everyone's trying to reschedule tours on top of it, unless, so I think they're going to end up repackaging better. There'll probably be a couple of headliners, maybe downsizing sizes of venues, which is only, which will hurt short term, maybe for a while, artist development. So the, if I was a manager of a young band, I'd be really working on this, involving myself in as much of these things that are online right now to try to develop that fan base that you maybe need to nurture over the next 18 months while things kind of pick back up so you can go out there, so you can have that base. So when you're ready to tour, you'll be able to start drawing people too. And maybe you can build up your numbers uh, to make it touring more effective for you the next time. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't even think about the like touring packages kind of changing. I remember what was it, like 10 years ago when touring was kind of down due to like the recession and all that. Uh, every, I feel like every weekend I was going to a show where the bill made no sense, like saves the day open for motion city soundtrack and say anything to me, that was awesome. But thinking about like how it should have been, you know, maybe one headlining band with a couple of younger ones to kind of give them exposure that didn't really ever occur to me until you said that. Yeah. So I think you're going to see that repeat it again. Fascinating. That's crazy. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, Kevin, but I really do appreciate Great. Hopefully, uh, best of success with everything. Keep in touch, and uh, you know we'll get through this. Yeah, right. together. All right, you guys. Good luck with the three twenty. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Keep an eye out. We're announcing Wednesday. Take care. Right. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye bye. Cheers. Welcome back. <laughs> so that was pretty awesome. Um, it was great to to get to speak to Kevin about you know what's going on and how COVID has affected the the current touring industry and the, and the festival. You know it pretty well it 100% ruined festival season which is wild um to think about and yeah how it's affected him as a professor yeah but could you imagine having him as a professor like right now those kids are still lucking out because you have probably one of the most resourceful teachers out there and he's just gonna roll with it yeah no it's it's pretty epic like learning him about- and then like quest love Questlove's a professor, or Questlove does something at NYU, and I feel like I would have lost my mind if I was younger and Questlove was my teacher. <laughs> Greg Graffin from Bad Religion is a professor at UCLA, I think, and I've, I kind of wanted to take his class. I was supposed to see them on Saturday night with Alkaline Trio at the Palladium, and that obviously was canceled, but <laughs> my I never took it out of my calendar on my phone. So I got, re- I got the reminder at like like six o'clock or whenever I have my thing. I think I'd have it set for an hour before. So at like six o'clock, my phone lit up and I look and it's like bad religion. How good true with the palladium? And I was just like, fuck. And then at I think at seven, you get like the like event reminder that was happening. And I was like, dude, stop, please. Like, I don't know how, how I did it. I get three notifications. I get like. I get three of them, one from one app that I use to do my scheduling, one from Gmail, and one from Google Calendars. Ugh. It's super yeah. annoying. So like for something like that, I would get it in triplet. And once I schedule it, even if I delete it, I'll still get reminders. Excuse me. Really? Get reminders, yeah, because it just doesn't update itself or some shit. Huh. I but used to get I- updates. Actually, I wonder, I think that my dive schedule might still be in my my google calendar um because for like up until like a month ago i was still getting re- uh, reminders on wednesday thursday saturday at five o'clock like dive bar half an hour and i'm like Fuck. i wish <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know seriously 
Um, so everybody should check out the 320 project. Uh, definitely check in with Kevin Lyman's Instagram. I'm telling you, it's one of the most wholesome Instagrams on the on the platform. Like oh, it is just, it's like it's just all flowers and and garden pictures. And then every once in a while, you'll see like a signed Lollapalooza tour poster. Uh, it's that's so random. random. That's like what I want every single. Like I don't really follow of like. Like, I don't follow that many bands anymore. Like, I kind of, like, unfollow all that stuff. Just because it's the same stuff. It's all, it's just sure. all promo shots and promo stuff, which I get, like, that's what it's for. But, like, I want to see, like, I want to see your garden. I want to see what you're having for lunch. Like, that's, to me, like, that's the, the point of social media and, like, following somebody and getting, like, that inside look into what they do. So, it's, it's super refreshing that they, that he posts, like, his garden and stuff like that. It's cool. Yeah, and that whole mentality he keeps of no room for rock stars, like, that's even more so apparent with that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, show your flaws. Show that you're battling a squirrel. Show, I don't know, like, that to me makes him way more human. Like, there's musicians, yeah. and then there's human musicians. And, like, that's the yeah. position that I want to follow. No, so. for sure. I totally, totally agree. That was an honor, having a, just 40 minutes to talk to him. Yeah, that was rad. It was super, super cool of him to just make some time for us in the middle of the day on Monday and talk about life. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Got to hear some cool Warped Tour stories, which is great. I miss the Warped Tour very much right now. I miss everything right now, but I've also, like, re-fallen in love with music the last week and a half. I feel um, you. After yeah, doing like, all the research for Warped Tour, I had a crazy dream last night that I was 15 again, and I quit school and went and joined the Warped Tour for a summer. And I just, like, I road-dogged it. I literally just went and, like, moved shit around. Really? Yeah. When I was, oh, how old was I? It was before I worked at SJC. I was probably, like, 23 or 24-ish, right around those ages. Um, I forget how but i think epitaph sent out a tweet looking for volunteers so i actually like i interned for epitaph records for two straight summers uh at warp tour in massachusetts and hartford which like you don't really get you just kind of get there at like seven in the morning you drive around hang up all these flyers on like all the, like all those posters for what time that band plays and stuff you just got to go around and hang up all that. Luckily, everything I did was like all epitaph. So they like got me into the show, gave me like a little bag with like a bunch of stickers and CDs and stuff in it, which was dope. And then uh, that was kind of it. But I had a bracelet. So I remember asking like, hey, like, what does this get? And the kid that was running it for the summer, he was like, I, I do that. I have no idea. Like, I think it just gets you into the show. And like, that's it. I was like, all right, cool. So I used it to walk backstage a bunch. Which, like, it was weird. It was awkward being back there because, like, I clearly didn't need to be. And I've being backstage isn't, like, that interesting to me, I guess. I just wanted to see if I could do it. So you go back there and you're like, all right, this is cool. But, like, knowing I was in the way or, like, trying – I was so focused on not being in the way. Uh, but it was cool to, like, see – I got to see the Wonder Years back when they were on, like, a B stage. I think on my Instagram I still have pictures of it. Um of like being up against the microphone, like where all the picks are taped to it and like right behind the drums while Casey's playing and, and just cool shit like that. And then 
fast forward like two years and I'm working at SAC and I'm at Warped Tour and I'm allowed to go anywhere I want, then it's cool. And you're like, you're comfortable. You're supposed to be there. Like, you know what I mean? I didn't feel like I was like, not going to get in trouble. I, I, that never crossed my mind. It was just like, I felt like I wasn't in the way, even though you're still hyper-focused on, on not getting in the way of people. They're doing their job, but I'm just kind of like, I guess I was technically doing my job, but I was also like, chilling. <laughs> Your job was chilling at times. That, that's like pretty much the number one thing on my resume. It's just like, yo, I'm here to chill a lot. Professional chiller. Professional chiller. Like, oh, what's up? Worked at Starbucks for nine years. But it's like, yeah, worked at Starbucks. But like, I was just kind of there to like talk about hockey in the morning and fall in love every 20 seconds. And that's like, worked at SJC. Well, yeah, but like, you know, my job is to like play on the internet and like, develop social media and like mess around on snapchat like my whole job all my jobs have just been hanging out <laughs> we need you buddy that's it that's awesome it. so yeah that was super cool uh we should probably get into the last part you ready yeah yeah let's do it take it away son brother ricky's in the back sweet travis in the front Cruising down 290 in the hot, hot sun. Suddenly red blue lights flash us from behind. Loud voice booming, please step out onto the line. Ricky preached words of comfort. Travis just tied sighs. Policeman taps his shades. Are you the guys from Seltzer Time? Stokes and pokes. Stokes and pokes. Stokes and pokes. Let's hear some Stokes and pokes. So, Stokes and Pokes, thank you so much, as always, Solon. Uh, I didn't say it last week, so I'm saying it twice this week. Um, I'm going to poke. I'm going to poke the... We went grocery shopping. I don't know if you've been grocery shopping recently, but the store... This morning. Okay. Did they have the um, one-way aisles? Yeah. Makes total sense. Like, one-way aisles makes so much sense if everybody is paying fucking attention. Yeah. The store I went to, nobody was paying attention. So like half the people were following the rules, half the people weren't. The one-way roads at the grocery store have now given me road rage behind a cart. And I, I just like, <laughs> I, I was losing my mind. Like, you're going the wrong way. I didn't say anything. I'm just like seething in my ninja costume. There you go. But yeah, I don't know. But people pay attention. That shit's down there for a reason. You're not special. Yeah, I I went this morning, um, which was like it was good and bad. Like the store wasn't super busy, which was nice. But we so Ed Plant gave us uh, like some old. He had like this old like patio furniture that they didn't want anymore. Him and Lauren, so they gave it to Naomi and I like last week. Um, I we had to take it apart to get it into my car, and then I never put it back together yet because I'm me and I put everything off so I just kind of put it on the patio but or on the deck but like it's wildly windy today so yeah, I was like sure people can hear it yeah I was like I can't I can't leave this stuff out here like those chairs will definitely blow away but then also if the chairs move then like the glass table is gonna fall and break so I just put every I put everything back into my car <laughs> as a way to like keep it from blowing away um which would have been fine, but I had to go to the store today and didn't think, I kind of forgot I did that. So when I left, I was like, 
I start, I back up and I hear like clink, 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 clink. I'm like, what is that noise? I look in the back of my car, back of my car is like full of stuff. And I'm like, fuck. I'm like, all right, whatever. Like, I don't need that much at the store. So I'm driving there. It's like crazy raining out. Tomorrow I'm getting new windshield wipers put in my car. So of course I'm like a day. I should have done that like two weeks ago. But um, so like I can't really see out of the right side. It was like a getting whole them thing. put on. What are you? Yeah, so, they're they're easy. Well, no, no. So my dad, my dad is like ordering them through work. I'm going to his work to like get them and then we'll gotcha. throw them. Okay. I'm gotcha. not like dropping my car off to put them on, but I'm getting new right. ones tomorrow. I don't mean to challenge your man card. <laughs> I was just curious. Sorry. No, 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 no. You're good. That's a valid question. Um, but yeah, no. So I'm. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I'm getting new windshield wipers tomorrow from my dad's work, and then we're gonna put them on. But uh, no judgment. No, it's cool. I also I know dick about cars. So. Yo, same. My wife knows more. <laughs> She's my gearhead. That's why I've one of the I married her. Oh yeah. No, I saw. Already got herself before. fucking rims, right? Sorry. It's just yeah. I feel that. Keep going. Yeah. Hey. No, so I'm like at the store, and like I get there, I'm trying to find everything which I'm usually pretty good about just doing. And I just, they were all, they were out of a lot of stuff. There wasn't that many people, but nobody was following the one way aisle thing. And I'm like trying to stay hyper-focused on that. I have this mask on. I can't, you know, you can't breathe that well in those things. Like just, it was kind of a, an annoying experience. I was very excited when I got home and like was out of the car. Cause also then while I'm driving home, I've got bags and, and like a couple cases of seltzer just like balance on stuff so every time i take a turn you hear like the metal from the tables bouncing so i was like it was driving me nuts i thought everything that was glass was breaking because it was just sliding onto the glass table like it was just it was a lot it sounded like awful yeah that's not even my poke jeez I'm just yeah, really. off the <laughs> jeez i forgot what was happening there for a second um so yeah pay attention people I am stoked. So I've been crushing YouTube content, you know, sitting here at my desk working on stuff and just letting, I have a television playing right here. Um, so I've been dipping into some older stuff and some stuff I haven't watched as much. And there's a show called Two Minutes to Late Night that was that, that is on YouTube. They posted six episodes about a year ago. Um, it is a hilarious heavy metal late night show. It's That's hosted awesome. by Jordan Garcinio Hall Olds with support from Hard Melissa, who in one episode, they describe her as the Princess Diana of Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, she's played by comedian <laughs> Emily Panic, And it's just, she's like your typical hardcore singing girl. And uh, she always has like Frankie Three Knuckles or like uh, Billy Banana Shits or like, Debbie Cutthroat like she always has these it's awesome and she's just this hard ass she plays this hard ass character um but the they have so many awesome guests uh they have like Ben Wyman from Dillinger Escape Plan World Renowned Guitarist Gina Gleason Walter Shrivels from Gorilla Biscuits Vinny Stigma and Shauna Potter do this awesome barbershop quartet bit where they're singing like agnostic French songs to New York City people in like a barbershop quartet yeah, the music on the show is by the band Mutoid Man. Um, Mutoid Man is Ben Collar, most notably of Converge, Stephen Brodsky from Cave In, and this awesome bassist Nick Caggio. And um, each week they do a heavy metal cover. And so really what started all this is that like I was looking for different music. I searched in Purple Rain. Their cover of Purple Rain they did with um, John Baisley of Baroness came up. And that's what I sent you last week. 
uh, yeah yeah i've been i've been jamming that so hard like, that's sick it was so dope i don't know if you listen to baroness but they have like real like their guitar tones are very unique to them okay. the way he plays is very i don't know it's like it's a style right i love that you can hear that but it's still prince but it's still new toy man like it was it's a fun song man that's dope if you're into heavy metal music or punk music at all, if you're into a sense of humor and if you like weird things, check out Two Minutes to Late Night. So many puns. Um, somebody has a Gwar Mitzvah. Gorsinio uh, Hall has a younger brother named Cannibal Corey. Like, it's just all these <laughs> puns. It's awesome. I love it so much. And Steven Brodsky is fucking hilarious. And so, such a talented musician. So, That's rad. Yeah. They play like Hot for Teacher with Gina Gleason and she's ripping through the the solos. Oh, I don't yeah. know much about her. I didn't know much about her. She's been on like Cirque du Soleil playing guitar and like she, she's played with Santana. She's played with like, she's fucking incredible. An incredible That's awesome. Musician. Okay. So I, I could not suggest this more. Plus now with the COVID shit, they're doing more covers, but getting other metal bands to like shoot their parts from their houses. Yeah, yeah. That's putting it all together into one big thing. So that's rad. Yeah. Highly suggested. Check it out if you're looking for some content. Cool. I dig it. What you got, buddy? Take us home. All right. Um my <clears throat> all right, so my poke. Um it's kind of, yeah, all right. So my poke is when I was, so talking to the Bar Down Breakdown guys the other day, Bar Down, yeah, right? Yeah, did I say that right? You did say it right. Okay, sorry. I, as soon as I said it, I was like, I don't even know. I think I just fucked that up. But they, we, we did talk about Seltzer at the end of the interview, and they brought up this company, AHA, which I've never had. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, you know, and they were talking about it for a second. Never heard of it. I'm at the grocery store today and Polar was not on sale, which is kind of, well, well, okay. So the, the regular like aisle row of seltzers are down there. I'm looking and there's no, like Polar's not on sale. It's like expensive as hell. So I'm like, well, this kind of sucks. Then um, I see, aha. I'm like, oh, that's that stuff those guys were talking about. Like maybe I'll give it a try. The flavors sounded amazing. Like, it was two, I think there were two, two eight packs for seven bucks or something. Flavors sounded great. They had like an apple ginger, which sounded really intriguing. Um, watermelon kiwi or something. I forget. There was like there was like five or six flavors. There was one that had caffeine. It was like some kind of a lemonade or an, a nice tea one. So I grabbed two of them. I was going to get those. As I'm leaving, they set up. So I went to the Shaw's down on Gold Star, and they set up like a kind of like a checkout road, like where it's like all roped off. You got to like follow that, and they kind of tell you where to go. But then I see all the new summer polar flavors in the can, like the tall boy cans. And those ones are on sale, like three for 10. I was like, yo, I'm definitely doing that. So I ended up getting polar at the end of the day. I still haven't tried AHA. But my poke is I should have got at least one of the AHAs because I really did want to try it. The flavors you know, sound. Do you know who does AHA? I have no, I have absolutely no idea. Oh, bro. I thought that's what your poke was. No, I, I honestly don't know anything about it. They're like they're the exact the opposite bubbly. of bubbly in a way. Who owns bubbly? Is it Coke? Pepsi owns bubbly. 
Ah, Coco's aha. Ah, Naomi just popped out of the, her office and was like, Coco's it. <laughs> hi, Naomi. Yeah. She said hi. Um, that I did not know that. I so when I heard the interview, I was like, oh, I want to know about this. Aha, Aha Seltzer. Like four or five articles. Coca Cola enters the seltzer game with Aha Seltzer. Really? I'm not surprised to hear that their flavors are are fantastic because they have the marketing budget and the research budget to find out being like, what do people really want to drink? Yeah, that's cool. We'll probably All still right. try it. We'll have, I mean, the seltzer show will go on eventually. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Good to know. I did not know that, but I am excited for these new polar ones because usually. Polar always, just has to start sending up. They're always interesting. Some of them I don't like. I'm not a big mango guy. There was something mango. I didn't, I didn't get that one. I got the raspberry rosé, which I think they came out with last year, but I got another one of those. And then I got uh, something margarita, and I forget what the other one is. You'll be seeing them. They'll be on the feed shortly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still jamming the star fruit lemonade. And then we have some oh, orange go. downstairs. Oh, nice. So, yeah, my poke is uh, me not buying AHA and trying something new and just sticking with my... But you did try something new. You tried summer flavors, so good for you. True. You know what? Yeah, hell yeah. Go me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, I'm great. Fuck yeah, I'm sick. So, okay, my, <laughs> my stoke is... Um, we kind of talked about it with Kevin uh, during the interview, but SNL, Naomi and I watched the new SNL last night. I love the fact you know, that they were able to do it that way. Going into it and being like, I know this is going to be an awkward thing to watch because you're not watching, like, this show that's been pretty much the same for 40-something years, 45 years, 46 years, whatever. It was so awesome. Like, I thought a bunch of it was super funny. I'm really tired of the, like, are you wearing pants, like, thing in every Zoom interview. Like, that's – it's played out, but, like, I get that it's part of, like – what's going on so they have to kind of make fun of it um so that was cool i thought that was all dope i thought it was interesting the way they attacked all of it uh the musical guest was great it was chris martin from coldplay covering a bob dylan song which was sick and then naomi as soon as he got done playing she's like oh i wonder if they'll have a different guest which didn't even cross my mind because i'm like i guess anything is possible like you could do you could have three guests you could have i mean you can get and literally anybody right now to play and like I'm really excited for next week to see, or for this week, sorry, um, to see what they do when it comes to to it. Because you can't really change those sets, you know? The sets are pretty much going to be the same. Except, you know, I'm sure they'll do, like, the painting and, and stuff like that. Like, the little, like, hanging up paper and stuff. But for the most part, it's going to look the same, which I, which you should do. Like, that's kind of the point. Is you're playing into the fact that everybody's seeing the same four walls every single day. But I'm excited to see what they get for a musical guest or if it'll be one artist will play that first song and then the second song will be a different artist um, or who the, who the guest host could be, if they're going to get some of the alumni to get involved. Like, please bring Bill Murray on for something. Please, please, please. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's just that that's really interesting to me. Having a show that isn't pre-taped even though some of it was for this, obviously, but just attacking something that's so familiar in a completely different light was really, really impressive. Yeah. 
I love seeing the way people are doing it. Like I follow a channel called Rooster Teeth. They're a production company out of Austin, Texas, and they have a channel out in, in California called Funhouse. And Funhouse, they play video games typically. So they need to be together on a system and they need to have the computers together. So they've had to change up the way they're generating content. They put out this two hour podcast where they all went on a mystery murder cruise and it was four live videos in OBS Studios, a uh, display studio. And they had somebody at broadcast like controlling their cameras. So like they went and checked out the murder scene, their little picture dragged over and like got smaller because they went into the background of the scene. Like, yes, it's fucking corny as hell, but it is fucking funny. And like, it's yeah. so fun to see like, all right, we get it. Everybody's learning how to use this shit. We're all trying to do different things. It's clever. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's great. I love it. It's yeah. sick. I can't, I, like you said, the, the way this is going, it sounds like we're going to be stuck doing this for a little while. So who the fuck yeah. knows where this is going to go? I saw a report saying earlier that uh, concerts and like sporting events and stuff might be on hold or yeah, basically on hold until 2021, which like, not surprising sucks. I mean, so I think what that means is like, they'll do like the Bruins will play. It'll just be with no fans and like all that type of stuff. But, but like, so now you'll see just like Kevin Lyman was saying, we'll see more online concerts. We will see more and then better produced online concerts. Yeah. So that's the thing though. Like, I don't even want them to be like, I, I'm, I want that. Like, like what we're doing right now. Like, I want to see, like, you know, I want to see Blink-182. I don't want to see them reunite. Like, I don't care anymore. Like, I've seen them together. I've seen them with, Mo like, with Skiba. I don't care if they ever get back together. But I want to see them because, like, there's no rules to anything right now. I want to see a, a whatever we're on Zoom of Mark, Tom, and Travis playing a couple of songs together. Like, that to me would be so sick. I know there's really no way to, like, as like messed up as it is, but like for them to cash in on that, unless they were to get back together and go on tour. And like, that's what people really want to see, but just for something to do right now, that would be so sick. Did you see the happy days video? Yes. That, I mean, it's almost exactly what you just described. Like. Yeah, but Tom's have, not in it. Well, I know that Tom's not in it, but <laughs> you said you didn't care if they needed to reunite. I love that they used all their fan footage and like, that yeah, no, actually gave me tears, like, watching it. it no, that's dope. And they, I love it. They did a great job. I think it's awesome. I'm just saying, like, I, like, I want to see something happen that, like, shouldn't happen. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see them get back together and do, even if it's just play, like, three songs, clearly all from your own houses. Like, just something for, like, to give people what they want just as like a good gesture you don't have to get back together there's no reason you should it doesn't matter i want to see boxcar racer get back together so i can go see him live but that's it um <laughs> i want to see something like that happen like i guess what i'm saying is i could see a model where if all the concerts are gone and all these bands are like they all made their money on the road anyway them putting together these like movie theater quality shows where we can buy a ticket to the show online and then get to see that high quality value. Or maybe they're actually playing live somewhere. 
And like you have what Kevin said, somebody in a control box where you have like six or 10 cameras and you can get you have camera operators right up in their face and getting right up their nostrils if you wanted to. I feel like that's kind of like what, what the Dropkick Murphys did when they did that live stream a couple of weeks back on yeah, uh, what I was in a way. Yeah. Like, and like, that's cool. Like that, I mean, that's great for right now, but like, You're I don't know. One forward post lockdown. I'm talking like, like, I just want somebody, I want something to happen that shouldn't happen. Like, like what? Yeah. Well, no, I just mean like, like now's that time for, for somebody to do something that like, like it makes a lot of sense financially, but it doesn't in terms of like each party's lifestyle. But I want them to do it now because there's literally nothing else to do. Like I, that's why I want Blink to do it. Or like, or I mean, it makes no sense because My Chemical Romance already announced the tour, and like, who knows what's going to happen. Backstreet Boys got back together right before this shit. Backstreet Boys have been back together though. I don't know. I was just kidding. <laughs> uh, I was like, you know, they've been touring for like years together. Or I want like in sync to do a thing where like it's all five of them on Zoom doing you know what I mean? Like I just want something like work. that. Vocal might work. That would work better than instruments. I just don't know how the hell you get four instruments synced up through without some kind of post production. Yeah, no, that's a good point. But like what you're suggesting, this is a game changer moment. Like this is this is time for a disruptor. Somebody that sees what Kevin said, a niche identifies yeah. the niche and then comes out hitting it goddamn hard yeah it's like so, stuff that you and i were talking about like people are kind of getting over the instagram live thing and people are getting over television yeah so it's time for something else i don't i don't believe it's quibby oh my god too much seltzer i don't believe it's quibby or whatever yeah. bullshit they're pushing next but it's going to be something like that okay that's just my two cents. Yeah, I haven't watched any. Have you watched anything on Quibi yet? No, I've just seen a million ads. Yeah. So. Famesies. All right. This has been a fascinating interview. We've taken a couple twists and turns, but thank you guys very much if you made it all the way through. Yeah, thanks, guys. That was dope. Uh, thanks, Kevin, for coming on, talking to us about Warp Tour, giving us some cool stories, and talking about how it's infecting the entire world. <laughs> yeah, he's a genuinely amazing person that, that pushes people forward and helps inspire the next generation. Yeah. That was rad. Yeah. So, well, if you want to find me on the interwebs, you could find me at Hunchback Travis. You can find me at DickChuck77 or uh, Seltzer Time Official. Guys, if you're listening to this on iTunes or any other podcast service, give us a five star rating. Give us a review. Type us up something. It just helps us find more audience, and we would really, we would really love it and appreciate it. Yeah, share it. Tell a friend. Tell your moms. Tell your dads. Tell your friends via Zoom. Tell your grandma via Zoom. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Just tell anybody you see. Tell your delivery man. Yeah, they they're driving around. They need something to listen to. Suggest the Seltzer Time podcast. It's true. They're the only ones driving around right now. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. Sorry for partying.